We think women need to talk more openly about money because money really matters. It shouldn't be embarrassing or confusing. Join the conversation. We'll be discussing a whole range of topics which will help you get comfortable with your finances. Money Matters, brought to you by AJ Bell. Hello and welcome to this special episode of the Money Matters podcast. I am Danny Hewson and I'm joined as ever by AJ Bell's Head of Personal Finance, Laura Souter. Hi, Laura. Hi, Danny. And you mentioned it's a special episode of the podcast today. So today we're going to be picking through everything that was in the mini budget, which turned out not to be quite so mini. There were lots of announcements in there. So we're going to talk through all of the big ones that may affect you and how it's going to crucially affect your take home pay. And there were a number of announcements which will be of particular interest to women. And of course, this podcast is very much aimed at helping women get more comfortable with their finances, get more money for them to see them through their retirements and generally to be more financially fit. Um, But we are going to start with overall market reaction because it's really important if you have a pension or other investments. And we did see markets respond pretty forcefully to the announcement. I mean, the the tax cuts were absolutely massive and markets just incredibly concerned about exactly where the UK is going to get the money from to pay for all of these cuts, particularly because we didn't have an independent health check from the Office for Budget Responsibility, which comes with a not mini budget, with a regular budget. We are expecting to get more from the Office for Budget Responsibility later this year. But the cost of government debt has gone up. And the big one, which has really captured headlines today on Monday, as we're recording this Monday morning after the Friday announcement, the pound earlier today fell to its record low against the dollar. I mean, it was absolutely astonishing, down to one dollar three which is just amazing we think a pound buying one dollar three i mean i remember you know it doesn't feel that long ago when you were talking about one dollar sixty one dollar seventy but uh, clearly um it's been a huge upheaval on markets and although the pound has recovered a little bit it is still incredibly low and this is important not just if you're going on holiday to the states and your pound's not going to go as far but just because the UK buys a whole load of stuff. We import lots of our food and our goods and our oil and our gas, and we pay for a lot of that in dollars. So if the course, if the pound is worth less dollars, then all of those things cost us more. And that just adds to the inflation issue, which we've been talking about over the last, well, year really. And inflation is the thing which has made everybody's budget not stretch quite as far as it used to do. And the other thing that it has got people talking about today is interest rates, because the Bank of England looks at inflation, it's got a target of 2%. And clearly, we're nowhere near that just under 10% at the moment. So it uses interest rates to try and curb inflation. So it has raised rates just the day before. We'll be talking a bit more about that uh, later. But there's now a huge sort of swell of market sentiment that the Bank of England will raise rates faster and further than they otherwise would have done, Laura. 
And that's a real worry for anyone, essentially anyone with borrowing. So we've already seen mortgage rates go up dramatically this year as the Bank of England has raised interest rates. Um, if we're now expecting a bigger leap on in interest rates, then that makes mortgages more costly. Lots of people might be on fixed rate deals, so they're kind of protected from these rises at the moment. But there are lots of people that are going to be coming off um, fixed rate deals either later this year or throughout next year. And they'll be coming off them into a very different interest rate environment. So that's what's got lots of people worried about these big hikes in interest rates. So while some of the tax cuts and things that we're going to talk about in a minute might be saving people money across the year, rising interest rates for anyone with mortgage debt or any other debt is then going to cost them. So it's quite tricky as an individual working out kind of what you get with one hand and what's being taken away with the other and (laughs) how much you end up left with at the end of it. And that's been the big thing, Laura, hasn't it? The the fact that the government seems to be sticking its foot on the accelerator and the Bank of England is sticking its foot on the brake and the UK economy, the car, is sort of juddering. Yes, competing elements at the moment, I think, and it's going to be very interesting to see what the Bank of England does at its next meeting. Now, without getting too technical, the Bank of England um, meets regularly to decide what is going to happen with interest rates, but we've just had a decision that was delayed because of the the Queen's death. So we had a decision last week to raise interest rates. Now, there isn't another meeting in October for reasons unbeknownst to me. I've not delved into the detail. The Bank of England doesn't meet every month. It meets 10 times a year, likes two months off, I guess. Um, And so the next decision is in November. So that means that we've got a little while to wait to see what the Bank of England is going to do with those interest rates um, and maybe a little time for markets to calm down after the budget announcements, reach a bit more of an even keel and that might have an impact. And I've got to say as well that the volatility with the pound, although it has been in part to do with this mini budget and concerns about the fiscal policies of this new government, The euro has also been down against the dollar today quite substantially. And the dollar itself, a lot of its strength is being gained because it's being seen as a safe haven. So a lot of people turn to the dollar at times of economic turmoil, geopolitical instability. And let's be fair, there's plenty of all of that going on at the moment. And just this morning, we had an update from the OECD talking about global recession. And all of those things are playing into the economic picture. So we can't just think that what's going on with the pound is down to what's happened with this mini budget. So let's delve into the detail of that budget now. So I think the big news in the budget was the tax cuts. Um, The government took an axe to the tax system and announced a number of things that are probably going to affect your take-home pay. So I'm going to go through um, a few of them. Danny, interject if I use any jargon or any complicated terms and I will explain. (laughs) Can Um, I have a buzzer? That's what I want. That would be great. (laughs) So the first tax um, cut that we knew was going to happen, it had been signalled ahead of time by uh, Liz Truss during her campaign to become Prime Minister, was the cut to national insurance. So this is often not lumped in with normal taxes, but it is effectively a tax. What we'd seen previously was that the rates of national insurance had risen, but so too had the threshold at which you start paying it. Um, So that had leapt up dramatically and it meant that anyone earning under about £12,500 
a year didn't pay national insurance. Uh, what this new government has done is cut the rates back down to where they were. So they went from being 12% for um, a chunk of earnings and then 2% for a higher level of earnings. They went up and now they've gone back down to that 12% and 2%. But crucially, the threshold where you start paying national insurance has stayed at that raised amount. So that means that people are getting a little bit extra in their back pocket. It means less of their income is being subject to national insurance and it's at a lower rate. That comes into effect from November this year. Um, and then we'll see kind of a full year of it next year in next tax year. So then the next change that is going to affect pretty much every taxpayer, is that the 20% rate of income tax has been cut to 19%. Now, this comes into effect in April next year, so you won't see an immediate impact of this. But it means that that band of earnings subject to 20% um, income tax will now only be subject to 19%. So that's going to save anyone in that band a bit of money. Obviously, how much you save depends on how much you earn within that band. Um, and then the next big decision, and this was quite a shock announcement that hadn't been um, hadn't been trailed or leaked beforehand, was the decision to cut the highest rate of income tax. So this is the 45% rate of income tax. Now, this is like unlikely to affect as many of you because it only impacts people who earn £150,000 a year or more. So previously, those individuals would have paid income tax at a rate of 45% on their earnings over that amount. Now that entire rate has been scrapped and so they will pay the same 40% rate that someone who earns just over £50,000 a year um, pays. So what it means is we now just have a kind of two-stage tax system. You have, well, you have your tax-free earnings initially, then you have a 90% um, income tax rate up to around £50,000 a year of earnings. And then any amount you earn over that, whether it's £60,000 or a million a year, is taxed at 40%. Um, it's, the government says the aim is to simplify the tax system um, and to take out you know, unnecessary complication. But obviously, it is also a big tax break for wealthy individuals. And for some people, and some headlines this weekend, the optics of someone who earns £51,000 a year paying the same tax rate who as someone who, or the same highest tax rate as someone who earns a million pounds a year, didn't go down very well with some people. And then I think the final tax cut that we saw was in dividend tax. So this only affects a smaller proportion of people. This is people who get dividends from their income or who are company directors and pay themselves via dividends from their company rather than paying themselves through a salary. So it might affect some small business owners, people who are self-employed through their own company, um, but also investors who have large amounts of investments outside an ISA and a pension. Um, effectively, those dividend rates had increased this tax year um, alongside that national insurance increase that I talked about earlier. They went up by kind of equivalent amount. Um, they've now gone down again to what they were previously, but also that top rate of dividend tax that was charged to those additional rate taxpayers who were previously paying 45% income tax, um, that's been scrapped altogether. So the top rate of dividend tax is now 32.1%. I would argue if a government is trying to simplify tax rates, we shouldn't have tax rates that go to one decimal point, but I will get on that soapbox <laughs> at another time. <laughs> I mean, you, you didn't use any jargon there. I didn't need my buzzer. But it is clearly complicated and everybody's situation is going to be different. And 
one of the rabbits which we were expecting to be pulled out of the hats had to do with the housing market. And our last couple of pods, we've been talking about buying a house, saving for a house. And we were talking also about stamp duty. There was, of course, a stamp duty holiday during covid What the Chancellor announced this time, though, were stamp duty cuts, which are permanent, or at least until another Chancellor comes in. Yeah, so this is a permanent cut to stamp duty, like you say. It's not a kind of temporary thing to get us through the cost of living crisis or to fuel the housing market. Um, First up, I think it'd probably be helpful to just do a quick explainer on how stamp duty works. So effectively, you pay different rates depending on the chunk of the value of property that we're looking at. So you pay 0% on a certain amount of the value, and then on the next chunk, you pay 5%, the next chunk, you pay 10%, and then you pay 12% on the very, very pricey end of properties. So um, any value over one and a half million. So what the government did in this change was to increase the band where you pay no tax. So previously, um, any value of a property up to £125,000, you didn't pay any tax on. They've now doubled that to £250,000. So it means if you're buying a home worth £250,000 or less, you'll pay no stamp duty on it. But for anyone buying above that amount, that first £250,000 won't be subject to tax. And then after that, you go back to those tax rates of 5%, 10%, 12% that I talked about earlier. So that will save someone um, who's buying over that amount two and a half thousand pounds in stamp duty. So I think what we'd say there is like, that's a a decent amount of saving, but it's not dramatic. I think it's not going to be the decision between someone being able to buy a property or not buy a property. What that will be is obviously stamp duty is money that you have to have up front. You can't add that onto your mortgage. So it's cash you've got to have in the bank. So some people will then take that money uh, that they've saved and put it towards their deposit. Other people will see that as kind of bonus money that they can then pay for things like your solicitor's fees, some new furniture when you move into the house, your moving costs, things like that. So it helps people out. I don't think it's a, you know, that kind of dramatic saving that's going to make a big impact on the value of the property that you can buy. But the government announce more help for first-time buyers. And this is really interesting because lots of people have talked about the fact that house prices rising coupled with mortgage rates rising makes it so much harder for first-time buyers to get on the property ladder. So I think the government felt like it had to address that and they get a bigger tax break. So there was already a different system for first-time buyers just to make things much more complicated. (laughs) Um, So for first-time buyers, they already had a a bigger tax break. They had a bigger band where you don't pay any stamp duty. Um, And that previously was the first £300,000 of a property. So long as they were buying a property worth half a million pounds or less, they didn't get to access that tax break if they were buying a property worth more than that. Um, What the government has now done is extended that stamp duty free amount. So up to the first £425,000 of the value of a house, you don't have to pay any stamp duty if you're a first time buyer. They've also extended the level at which that cutoff comes off. So rather than it only applying to people buying a property worth half a million, it's now up to £625,000 for a first-time buyer. So what it means, if you were buying a half a million pound house as a first-time buyer, um, which might seem like madness to some people in some areas of the country, but other areas of the country, some cities are very expensive. And also we've got to think, 
lots of people are getting on the property ladder later. And so we're kind of skipping that first flat that they might have bought and going straight to buying a more expensive property. Anyway, someone buying a property at that half a million pound point, they will save just over £6,000 in tax. Um, Someone buying up to the new threshold of £625,000, they previously wouldn't have been able to benefit from this tax break for first-time buyers. Now they will. So it will save them just over £11,000 in tax. And actually, that's pretty chunky when you think about it. That's a pretty big tax saving. If you rolled that money up into your deposit, added your mortgage on top of that, that actually does change a bit the value of the property that you could buy. So that's quite a big boost, I think. It is a big boost, but I think a lot of people have been questioning, and I certainly question, how this will impact house prices. Because throughout the last couple of years, we've seen the housing market absolutely on fire. And there were new figures that Rightmove put out earlier today, suggesting that after house prices falling in August, and often in the summer we see that because people are on holiday, maybe they're not engaging with the housing market in the same way, Well, the average asking price for a house rose by 0.7% in September to £367,760. And Rightmove is concerned that what will happen is this stamp duty cut will just increase house prices because more people might decide, actually, we can do it now. And this is something which has to be dealt with with an increase in supply of houses. It is simple mathematics that demand is outstripping supply. And when you are in a situation like that, house prices are just going to go up and up and up. And I've heard so many first-time buyers saying, look, you know, we simply can't afford a house which is £250,000. We want to be able to get on the housing market at £100,000. And with house prices, I mean, the average price of a house now, it's just beyond a lot of people's capabilities, even with this stamp duty cut. So it's going to be really interesting to see how that sort of play again between the stamp duty cut and raising uh, interest rates impacts the housing market. But at the moment, it is still looking incredibly hot. Um, Now... (laughs) Because the cost of living crisis has been slowing the economy, um, the Bank of England also said earlier this week that it believes that uh, the UK is already in recession. And businesses, I know, have been really concerned about their energy bills, about the cost of living crisis impacting consumers' budgets. And there were a number of measures announced in this budget to help businesses, but but one of the ones was help with energy prices in very much the same way that households are being protected. But that will only be for six months. And this is the big but, which is making an awful lot of businesses incredibly nervous. And with recession already with us. There is concern that this is going to lead to businesses thinking twice about making extra investments, about taking on extra staff, or even about cutting back on the number of staff that they employ. So we're in this weird situation where you've got a sort of push-pull going on, as I say, but 
the one thing which they do hope is that the energy measures which hopefully will bring down all of our energy bills will mean that we've got a little bit more money to be able to spend, particularly over that crucial golden quarter in the run-up to Christmas. Now, I've been reading all these headlines, Laura, about um, you know the average bill coming in at no more than £2,500. And I think it's really important because I was caught on the hop when I got an email from my supplier the other day, and it looks like my bills are going to be just over £4,000. And I didn't think I was in any way not average. So I've been really surprised. But it's an average usage thing. Yeah, I think it, it gets quite complicated. And I think um, all the details of what the government is calling the energy price guarantee were announced um, a couple of weeks ago. But unfortunately, later that day, the death of the Queen was announced. And so I think, understandably, a lot of people won't have looked at the detail of this. They won't realise exactly how it works. And that usual kind of picking apart an analysis that, that the press would have done of it understandably got shelved and so I thought it'd be useful to just quickly recap that scheme and how it works so you're completely right the the scheme caps um average energy usage for the average household at two and a half thousand pounds a year obviously if you use more energy than that if you're in a larger property if you're in a more drafty property um if you've got more people living under your roof who like to take very long hot showers, I, I imagine your teenage daughter's <laughs> might, Danny. Um, your energy usage will be higher, and so you will pay more. It's really crucial to make that point. This isn't a cap at £2,500. It is a cap on the unit price of energy that you will pay for and a cap on the standing charge that you pay for um, that comes out at £2,500 for the average household, but that's not a cap at that level. And so if you want to delve into the kind of detail of it, look at your um, past year's energy usage, you can look up the, the cap rates for standing charges and for electricity and gas. I won't run through them here because I feel like that might send some people to sleep, but they are <laughs> out there if you want to work out what your bill is going to rise by and how much you're going to get. Um, but I think just run through a few of the facts of the scheme. So that cap is in place for the next two years. It starts from the 1st of October um, and the government is paying the energy supplier the difference. So it's kind of a government is funding energy bills for the public for a while. Um, on top of this, we still get that support that the government had previously announced. They're not taking that away or changing that. For most of us, that means that £400 off our energy bill. We'll start to see that next month um, paid in monthly amounts. So it's £66 a month for a couple of months, then it's £67 a month automatically credited off your bill for most people um, and then of course there's additional support out there for people on low incomes for pensioners um, and for people on certain disability benefits um, the new energy price cap is applied automatically so you don't need to apply for it um, and that's the case even if you're on a prepayment meter now people on a prepayment meter pay a slightly higher unit charge for their energy that will still be the case but it will be price capped at a slightly higher rate than those on standard charge or direct debit um, and if you are on LPG or oil, uh, so you're not on, linked up to the gas network, then the government is going to give you a £100 handout to help compensate because you obviously won't benefit from 
that cap on gas prices. A couple of other quick things for some more niche areas. If you are someone who rents your property and you pay your energy bills as part of your rent rolled up in that, the government's going to make it mandatory for the landlord to pass on that cost saving to you. Um, And also, if you're someone who's in a park home or on a central heating network, you'll also see a discount, but that will be um, kind of more specific to you from your supplier. I think that's all of it. (laughs) (laughs) It's ridiculously complicated. um, And I know that some people will still get caught out when they start to get their bills coming in this autumn. Uh, And certainly it it was an eye opener for me. And I've now started walking around the house and turning off every single light and every single switch and taking things off standby just to try and bring down that massive bill ever so slightly. And I think that is a really valid point that you make there, Danny. So while this is helping and this is capping, um, you know, kind of average energy costs, the real way that you can reduce your bill is still focusing on that energy consumption. So it's focusing on how much energy you use, how many times you put on the washing machine a week, which is definitely something I'm guilty of and focusing on, how many lights you leave on, how long your showers are, things like that. So people, obviously, energy costs are now going to be far lower than they were expected to be this winter, but they are still dramatically higher than they were last winter. So for lots of people, it's not necessarily a case of great, that problem solved, still that average rate of two and a half thousand pounds is very high lots of people's will be higher like you said and so focusing on ways you can cut your energy is really kind of the last tool you've got left now i'm aware that we promised that this was a very quick special episode (laughs) but there is so much to go through and i think it's really important to touch on some changes announced to universal credit which come into force this week Um, It's the AET, the Administration Earnings Threshold, which is going to be increased, which affects around 114,000 people who currently get universal credit. Um, At the moment, they've got this sort of light touch um, where they have to work nine hours a week on the national living wage. that's rising um, from today to 12 hours. And then the government plans to, to raise it again in January to 15 hours a week, which will affect another 120,000 people. So effectively what it does is it means that you have to work more hours or take steps to increase your earnings or risk having some of your benefits reduced. And this is particularly interesting for, obviously, the people that we know listen to this podcast, because a lot of women, a lot of women over 50, um, tend to work part time because they're juggling work around caring responsibilities. So the potential that they're suddenly going to see their benefits reduced when they're going to then have to try and you know, find more hours, find more ability in the week to work more hours is something which I I know a lot of people have have picked up on, particularly at a time when we're talking about tax cuts for people earning 150,000 and and upwards. But there's more to come, we've been told. The Chancellor has said that there is more to come, which could potentially help those very people who might be in that situation of seeing their benefits reduced? 
Yeah, so I think what we've had now, and I'm unclear whether it's a reaction to the fact that so many headlines were filled with the fact that this was a budget for the wealthy, or if the government had planned um, far more cuts further along, or maybe a combination of the two. But since the budget and the reaction to the budget, the um, new chancellor has come out and said, uh, more tax cuts are coming, nothing's off the table, they're examining the entire tax system. Um So a few things that they're looking at is that cap on child benefit where people start to lose it when they earn over £50,000. Another area where they've looked at is kind of more tax breaks for couples where one doesn't earn or um, only earns very little and the other is a basic rate taxpayer. Um, There's also a suggestion of some changes to the way pensions work. Um, and also potentially kind of unfreezing those um, bans that we all pay income tax on. So allowing people to earn a little bit more before they pay the next rate of income tax. All of those things that are kind of suggestions at the moment, areas the government has said they're looking at or previously talked about, but nothing has been confirmed. So I think everyone is looking for what the government's going to announce to help specifically families or people in what's called that squeezed middle, so kind of middle earners. Um, So we will definitely bring you more updates as and when things get announced. Because we know that growth is the priority. That's what this new government has said, that they're looking to stimulate growth. We know the labour market has been incredibly tight But for some people, working those extra hours, even at a time when the cost of living crisis is eating into their budgets, is just incredibly difficult. And, you know, making those decisions for a lifestyle choice or because you just simply can't work any more hours, it it does make life very difficult. Um, And it's, it's going to be a really interesting balancing act to see exactly how things develop over the coming months. Yeah, and so make sure that you do subscribe to Money Matters podcast as we pick up more of these issues, have more special episodes, more coverage of this, whether that's through articles. Um, You can sign up to our newsletter if you just Google AJ Bell Money Matters. You'll find the page there to sign up to our newsletter. Um, Or you can follow us on Instagram or get in touch by emailing moneymatters at ajbell.co.uk. And we've got some good topics coming up, haven't we, Danny? Yes, we've got uh, um, the next episode is going to be beautifully timed to coincide with World Menopause Month, which kicks off at the beginning of October. We'll be taking a look at how the menopause impacts women in the workplace and has a knock on to their finances. And as Laura says, you know, do get in touch if you've got any comments about your experiences with the menopause, if you've got any questions about the budget or any suggestions of what the new chancellor might look at to improve your world we'd love to hear from you Um, we're on instagram uh, money matters um, at aj bell money matters i should say and also as laura says email us money matters at ajbell.co.uk and thanks a lot for listening we'll see you next time before you go please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and the views expressed don't necessarily reflect those of aj bell the podcast isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not And don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it. It's also important to remember that tax rules apply and that the way an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future. If you want help, go see a qualified financial advisor.